Welcome to the Lobot Lounge, the gathering place for the gentlemen nerds. The gentlemen nerds are three entertainment aficionados who know each other through various media endeavors, getting together to talk about all things nerdy, mostly in the vein of film, television, toys, and popular culture. Many topics are discussed, so please be warned, there are the potential for many spoilers. If you like what you hear, you can listen to past shows on iTunes or on our website, GentlemanNerds.com. And now, enjoy the show. He was blonde, blue-eyed, tall, handsome, Dutch actor Rutger Hauer was internationally known for playing everything from romantic leads, action heroes, to sinister villains. Rutger Hauer passed away on July 19th in his home of the Netherlands. Today, as gentlemen nerds, we are gathered to honor this fantastic character actor and to share some of our favorite Rutger Hauer performances and the movies that he made so memorable. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Rutger Hauer tribute show. Gathered here in the Lobot Lounge to raise a glass to Mr. Hauer is Mark Finn. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron Diarive. I love Rutger. And I am Joseph Otinos, your host and emotional touchstone. Welcome to this very special episode of the Gentleman Nerds. And All it's right. not and it's not a very special episode where Willis finds a gun in Arnold's locker. No, no. It's a different, very special episode. Right. No, or, no, or yeah. yeah, that's we're, yeah. we're not. And by the way, so uh, as as uh, Joseph pointed out, and, and many people have already said this online, but uh, how how, in my opinion, poetically ironic <laughs> that Rutger Howard died the same year, 2019, as his titular character Roy Batty uh, in Blade Runner. They Ooh. both died in 2019. There you go. That's a little weird. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's like some power went. Yeah, I'm gonna make this happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rutger Howard was one of those. A very, a very interesting character. His 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 parents were both actors. He was he was raised in a very theatrical household, but he didn't want to do that. Um, I think he even did construction for a while. Oh gosh, uh, yeah, but and sort of sort of fought against it. Eventually, of course, you know the acting bug got him, and 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 he became. And he's before we knew him in the states, ladies and gentlemen. He had a, a fairly uh, prolific career, or uh, in, in Europe, uh, doing a lot of films in the seventies. I mean, I've never seen any of them, frankly. The, yeah. the very first movie I remember Rutger Hauer in was Nighthawks with mm-hmm. um, right. Sylvester Stallone as Wolfgar. Yep. Yeah, um, Wolfgar Heimer, Wolfgar Reinhardt, and he was a, <laughs> a great villain. Yeah, a great villain in that. Uh, if, if I recall the beginning of it, he he because he changes his look because he's internationally wanted, uh, and so he appears with dark hair and dark contacts to cover his brilliant blue eyes. You know, so he he looks you know very very Eastern European and and, and dastardly. Um, and then when he changes his appearance and he, and he comes to the States and he does a little plastic surgery or whatever, his blonde hair, bright, brilliant blue eyes, uh, comes in through the, through the international gate and they ask him business or pleasure. And he pauses and he says, pleasure, I hope, you know, it's, it's yeah. he's <laughs> a great role, uh, you know, and he cuts Billy Dee Williams in the face. Come on. Oh, bad guy. Oh, that's bad, right. Bad no, he, I think from that, that movie and, uh, um, I actually remember seeing Blade Runner before I saw Nighthawks. Uh, but no, no, though, those two films established him without a doubt as, as just an amazing villain, mm-hmm. uh, 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 act, 
actor who played villains in in American movies. And was that Beerhoven? Because that's I think that's who brought him over was Paul Beerhoven. Uh, yeah, Ver- Verhoeven worked with him on a lot of stuff. Uh, they actually worked together back in 1973. Uh-huh. Uh, a really uh, typical. Uh, sex and drugs movie uh, called Turkish Delight. Oh, huh. uh, uh, and it's and it was during the period where he was doing all of the Dutch stuff. So, yeah. Right. so yeah, that was the th- that was their their relationship went back a ways. Yeah, and then I saw in his uh, in his IMDb listing, which is wonderful, uh, he plays uh, De Valver in a 1975 TV movie. Uh, version of Cyrano de Bergerac. Oh, what? Which, which I've never seen, and now I must. Oh, uh, I love Cyrano. I didn't I know. know he did that. That's yep. so cool. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, like, like Joseph oh. said, he has. If you look at his IMDb uh, listing, folks, he's got a lot of credits. Uh, you know, going going all the way back to to the late sixties. Yeah. Um, and so no, uh, he he definitely was a known actor. Um, by the time he started appearing in uh, in American movies, and of course, of course he was right because the, the let's let's just get let's just jump right to it. Roy Batty, okay, Roy Batty, one of probably the top five villains, cinem- cinematic villains of all time, um, and and it was one hundred percent Rutger Hauer, um, uh, the 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 menace. Uh, that he could bring to that character, but at the same time, this this almost hint of of innocence, uh, the, the 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 childlike wonder that that Roy Batty would get in his eyes when he was looking at certain things in in Sebastian's lab and 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 studying things. I mean, it, that that is all acting, uh, folks. That is all acting in the eyes, in his face, in his expression. Nobody could squint. And swallow like Rutger Hauer. Um, he 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 could say so much with a squint and a swallow. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I, I remember at the end uh, he's giving his speech. Right, he's about to die, and he's giving that speech. Um, and there's been a lot of, of stories about oh he made that up on the spot. No 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 he did not. But regardless, I think the dialogue that during their confrontation. Like between him and him and Decker when they're in the house, that was Rutger doing a lot of yes, yes. He did. There himself. was yeah. improvisation yeah. during that sequence, but, that speech, no. but the speech was not no. one of the things that he improvised. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's so. I mean, it's so brilliant. It, 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 I I watch that scene and I still get goosebumps mm. as he delivers the line and he smiles and his head bows. Uh, I mean, you know, you want to stand up and just start clapping. Yeah. Uh, because it is such an amazing performance. Yeah, and and he, a, a good-looking man too. I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a real charmer. I mean, again, going mm-hmm. back to to Nighthawks, and then of course in in Blade Runner. You know, he's he's good to look at. He's a, he's a, he's easy on the eyes. And then I think uh, some of the best villains have that uh, that charisma that yeah. makes you want. And he embodied that in so many ways. There was also that foreign menace to him. Um, <laughs> You know, almost that. Yes, I want to say Euro trash, foreign menace that you're not 100 <laughs> yes. percent about. You're like this yeah. guy. Yeah. You know, he probably smokes funny smelling cigarettes and he drinks Turkish coffee. There's something about him that's not quite right. You know, um, but absolutely, he he he. You know, his character. You know, Roy. I think everyone. When when he passed, everyone was quoting and posting, and you know that was the thing that they were really kind of focused on. But. His career, and we'll come back to Blade Runner because, of course, it's a huge film and it's a right. great movie. But will most of his career, he he does play that 
on the fringe. Now, he's had some heroic roles, and, and I think we're going to jump to Lady Hawk in 85 yeah. at this point. <laughs> oh, do we want to do that? Okay. Oh, yeah. No, no. <laughs> and, and, and you talked about, you know, the, the, the handsomeness, the mm-hmm. charm, the... The, in Lady Hawk, you know, when he appears in Lady Hawk and he he speaks in that gravelly voice and and he's got the scowl and the squint and you know yeah you're like ah wow look at this guy yeah. you know uh, I think I think I think Matthew Broderick's heart jumped a little there um, <laughs> when he started interacting with uh, with uh, Etienne um, no I I love I love okay actually let me let me rephrase that. I love and hate Lady Hawk. <laughs> I love yeah. everything about the casting, uh, the story, um, the performances. Um, it is it is singularly ruined by the synth pop soundtrack. Oh. Yes, oh. I Which, love you because yeah. you're right. Because it it pulls you right out. If that thing had had a John Williams score or a Jerry Goldsmith score, oh. I or mean, a score. Yeah. Yeah, uh, score. <laughs> was it? Was it? It wasn't Tangerine Dream, was it? No, no, no. It was. Uh, oh, Alan Parsons Alan Project. Parsons for Project. God's sake! Right. Oh, yeah, Lord. Alan Parsons. Oh. Now there are moments. There oh, are sequences because I saw the movie again recently, just a, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there are sequences that has more of a score. It sounds more like a traditional score. Right. Right. Um, but no, no. When it jumps on the you're just like, oh god, oh god. Um, lordy, lordy, lordy. Well. And, and the memorable scenes of, of, of that film, I mean, I, I haven't seen it in years. But, of course, there's some scenes that stand out. One, of course, is that very emotional when they're running towards each other and they and one changes into the wolf and one changes into the hawk and they don't they never touch. Right. Uh, and that's, that, that's a tough one. That's a, that's a tough curse, man. But Rutger Hauer, he fit the role of a guy who was turning into a wolf every yes. uh, every night. Yeah. Because he looked. Kind of like a wolf. He does. You know, he has he has has a predatory stare. Yeah, yeah, very, very, very well, uh, well put in that. I think we should mention at this time, and most people know this, but that Anne Rice's uh, inspiration for Lestat when she was writing Interview with a Vampire was Rutger Hauer. Yeah, you know, a young Rutger Hauer. That's who she pictured as Lestat. Um, She thought that no one else could do the role. You know, but of course, by the time the movie came out, he was a little. Older, he, he. I don't think he could probably pull that off at that point. He'd grown a little long in the tooth. Oh, but it, everybody drink. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, Mark, what uh, what are your Lady Hawk thoughts? I mean, how long how long has it been since you've seen that movie? Uh, it, it actually, uh, it was more recently than uh, probably uh, I wanted to admit. Uh, I wrote a uh, a series of articles last year uh, that talked about uh, the movies of Dungeons and Dragons, mm, mm. and uh, in part five, uh, I discussed the fact that by 1985, sort of the fix was in, and you know, Dungeons and Dragons era type movies had been replaced with high fantasy, uh, fantasy, um, you know. Uh, adjacent movies. Uh, I'll, I'll, I, it's not very much. I'll read it. Uh, uh, this Richard Donner directed fantasy romance was a $20 million example of the fix being in. We don't need all of that sword and sorcery nonsense. We've got Rutger Hauer, still skinny, too. We've got <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer, who has never, not ever been every adolescent male's wish fulfillment fantasy woman. We've got Matthew Broderick, caught off of war games. And in a full on cheeky smart ass mode, big hand waving hint here, uh, he's who we are meant to identify. 
identify with because he's like us. See, this movie is quite watchable, provided that you can make it through the jarring soundtrack, which is mired in its 1980s-ness to the point that it was written by Andrew Powell and produced by Alan Parsons. This is a major stumbling block for me. Um, But the movie goes the way of many films of the 1980s and 90s in its desire to make a good period production and also appeal to modern audiences. No one really seems to be from another time, not in hair nor in makeup nor in manner of speaking or in acting. The sole exception is Rutger Hauer, who is honestly great in the movie, one of the few uh, turns that he ever did as a hero. uh, And uh, the, the fight scene at the end. Uh, is is this massive twenty minute long knockdown drag out battle? Um, it, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's a lengthy, exhausting sword fight with horses, no less. That's reminiscent of Borman's Excalibur, uh, and it takes place in a church. It is epic. Wow. <laughs> it's yeah, epic, yeah. lengthy, and an example. Uh, it's the best example of a critical failure role for an attack ever put on film. <laughs> watch, watch, watch when Marquette, unseated from his horse, inexplicably hurls his helmet at Navarre, only to have the throw wildly miss and smash into the big-ass stained-glass window some 40 feet above them. Huh, the sun's out. I wonder if that's about to be relevant in five minutes. Uh, <clears throat> the, I, I skipped around. The whole article oh. was on there is great. But and by I the way, love- by the way, that is one of the few scenes. The score when uh, Navarre and Marquette are fighting. That listen to that piece of music, folks. Oh, you can right. find it yeah. on YouTube. That is good. Mm-hmm. That it's this echoey staccato, you know, clashing sound that 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 uh, goes through the entire sequence, and it's very well done. If all the soundtrack had been like that, if mm-hmm. the entirety of it had been, I, I think it would have ele- elevated the movie much more. Well, we American audiences knew Rutger Hauer, obviously, I guess, you know, from Blade Runner and, and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, as a hero, um, do you think that he was accepted as a hero? I mean, I, I bought it. I thought he was great, noble, and, and but still dark and broody. He did the dark and broody thing really good. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it was a half step, wasn't it? You know, he he's not bit. specifically a good guy. Right. But he's he's absolutely um, he keeps the badass part from Roy Batty and uh, and the terrorists. So so yeah, I thought I thought it was a really good um, uh, one one over kind of a thing, you know. Yeah, no. In fact, it's it's the love of of Isabeau, right? That that does give him that does sort of anchor him mm-hmm. in 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 the noble in the human. It, you know. In fact, it's so funny. The the, the next film that we'll talk about, Flesh and Blood. <laughs> It's basically it's basically Navarre if there was never an Isabeau. Oh mm. uh, um, yeah, yeah, good, good and, call. And it is it is brutal and it is vicious. Uh, and, and I mean, I mean, again, Rutger Hauer is still beautifully, wonderfully Rutger Hauer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the role of Martin in Flesh and Blood is much more suited to to the kind of roles that I think right. where, where, where he sh- where he shown where, where he was exceptional right and um, I think people accepted them in that role more than they did a hero it's yeah, an anti-hero he, he's definitely an anti-hero yeah yeah I mean Christopher Lee played heroes every once in a while but people were like oh that's great I don't trust him but it's <laughs> right. so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why would I want to be on his side it's, yeah, it's exactly. Dracula it's yeah. a bad idea <laughs> you know uh, but I think Rucker Hauer had that same like I said that, that European foreign threat that, that he carried so well. Yeah. Um, 
and Fle- Flesh and Blood is great, but it's a hard watch now because uh, this was another uh, Paul Verhoeven movie that uh, takes place before uh, RoboCop, uh, but uh, is absolutely in that vein of, uh, well, we like sex, so let's have a lot of sex. We like blood, so let's have tons of blood. You know, it's a very Flesh and Blood is a very nihilistic film. Mm, uh, yeah, very much. And so. and and, uh, and it's 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 dark in a, in a. Uh, and it's, you know, the reason why, uh, Rutger Hauer works as the protagonist is because he's the least asshole asshole in the room. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> right. That, actually, that's true. He, <laughs> he, he's, he's, he's just an asshole. Everyone else is a son of a bitch asshole. So <laughs> it's sort of, a. Uh, so, so it's, it's, it's kind of a hard watch, uh, yeah, yeah. uh and especially because of the pe- other people that are in it. Uh, it's, it's full of people that you've seen before and, you know, Jennifer Jason Lee is the, is the female lead. And she, uh, if you ever wonder why Quentin Tarantino cast her in the hateful eight as the, the screechy murdering woman, mm-hmm. uh, you, you haven't seen flesh and blood. Because that's where yeah. she uh, starts that down that road of playing people that start out one way and end up being totally something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and I think that uh, he solidified his sinister screen persona in his next appearance, which was, of course, the Hitcher. Yes. Oh, oh gosh. And an overlooked minor classic of so. 80s yeah. horror. Yeah. You know, yeah. it does. Agreed. It does. It's not sexy because it doesn't have machetes and it yeah. doesn't have chainsaws and it doesn't have all of the gardening tools that were prevalent. Right. The masked killer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just Rutger. And the last yeah. thing you want to do with Rutger is put a mask on Rutger right. Hauer. No, right. no. You, and, and, and in this movie, the last thing you want to do is pick him up. It's just a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> so there's that there's that great that great opening moment where the, he first gets into the car. And we don't know anything about his character, John Ryder. Ryder. Get it? Uh-huh. He, 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 we don't know anything about him, and they don't tell us anything about him. He's just this force of nature. He is the 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 campsite tale of don't pick up hitchhikers. He's he's the guy, that, you know, the hook on the hand guy, you know, although yes. it's Rutger Hauer. So it's it literally is an urban legend. He's an urban legend come to life. Yeah. And when he sits in the car with him, and they're having that discussion, and he first opens with in in the rain, I think, after he picks him up, and he and he. First talks about how he's going to kill him, and and have you ever you know seen a human eyeball punctured? And it's just a bizarre. It starts the, the panic starts to grow, you know, and you're like, oh my god, get out of there! And then he just keeps coming back like a bad penny. He keeps turning up. Yeah, you know, the most terrifying part of that movie, after you know what he's capable of, is when our hero and I can't even remember the actor's name who plays him. See um, Thomas Howell. See Thomas, Thomas Howell. Howell. Uh, is driving down the road and he passes the family in their station wagon, and who's sitting in the back? But Rutger Hauer, John Ryan, oh, yeah. is sitting in the back with all the kids, and he looks over at him, and he sees him in the car, and you're like, oh, no, no, no. One of the few horror movies that you think, they're not going to do it. They're not going to Oh, they did. They actually did. Everybody. <laughs> everybody. He killed everybody. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what, what, a, what, a, what a right bastard he was. You know, and they did um, they did some sequels, but yeah. uh, you know what? Don't don't just uh, watch the first one and enjoy it for what it is supposed to be. You know, yeah. it's supposed yeah. to be like this one off thing. And I think uh, I think it handles very deftly uh, mm-hmm. one of the um, 
uh, you know, sort of principal tenets that a lot of the other uh, early 80s horror directors sort of worked with, the the, the concept of the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carpenter was most emphatically working with it when he worked on Michael Myers and the Shape. Right. But, but he, whereas Carpenter did his own thing, this leans into the urban legend material, and and I think it's really successful. In fact, I think it works as, better as a one shot than as a you know any kind of a franchise or a series or any kind of oh yeah like no that, you know absolutely yeah it, it is a cautionary tale from 1986 no doubt uh, Robert Harmon I don't know, the director Jennifer Jason Lee also in this as yeah. well yeah who has a very memorable turn between two trucks. If you guys recall, oh gosh, remember that? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, look at that. Uh, we just kind of look. At, I'm looking through his the IMDb page on it, and and it's been a long time since I've seen it. I kind of want to watch it again. It's been a long time, but he seems like an unstoppable monster when, and it's Rutger Hauer. You know, he's right. he's, he's pleasant to look at. And, and in fact, but I think that's that's whoever clearly cast uh, him as the the Hitcher uh, had paid very close attention to mm-hmm. some of the things that Rutger Hauer did as Roy Batty. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there is there's so much Roy Batty mm-hmm. in the Hitcher, um, the way the way he would make his voice go go a little higher when he was asking certain questions, the the the, the smile, the look of glee mm-hmm. on his face when he was describing something particularly disturbing or gruesome, um, it almost it gives just like Joseph said, it gives him this this alien, this otherness, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. like like th- this is somebody trying to pretend he's human. Um, yes. and, uh, and, yeah, and he, it, he looked at the wrong movies when he was doing research for his how to be human role. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And, and that's what works. So, uh, back to your point, Mark, I mean, this is the urban legend come to life. Everything yeah. that you've ever heard growing up. Oh, when you picked up a hitchhiker, you know what I heard about the last person that picked up a hitchhiker and, and yeah, and boom, there it is in living, breathing flesh and in the wonderful, amazing face of Rutger Hauer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's what works about the Hitcher in a way that that a lot of other sort of slasher movies, uh, the other slasher movie villains become at some point become cartoons. Oh, yeah. They become they become sort of silly. Um, but uh, the the Hitcher, Rutger Hauer never did, uh, and that's why I agree with you, Mark. This is not a franchise movie. Right. Do not make the Hitcher two, three, four, five, um, you know, etc. This is a one time thing. This person. Came up from the ground, uh, unleashed his chaos, and then sunk back into the earth again. Mm-hmm. Um, they did a remake, didn't they? They did. And who was the hit? Who did they? Oh gosh, the I don't even I don't remember. remember. Let me look it up. If you guys remember, because uh, obviously didn't it didn't it didn't re- resonate as much as Rutger Hauer? No, how you could know? it? How could it? Right, exactly. And I think that that's telling of the man and his talents and his abilities, because you know, really. I don't. Sean Bean. Oh, Sean Bean right. was the new hitcher, uh, and I, I like Sean Bean. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him. Yeah. But but he's he, no his his skill is is uh, dying in an interesting way. You know, this is <laughs> yeah. this is the same thing with Liam Neeson. You know, like uh, all Liam Neeson's early roles involve him dying in the middle of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the thing is, is there's nothing wrong with either of those guys, and they have gone on to do other great things, mm-hmm. but. But neither one of them was ever really a villain, and I think I think you have to start early with that. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I agree. You know? I agree. I mean, Sean Bean. I've seen him in many many roles, and and he also plays. He can play the a bit of the antihero. 
mm-hmm. um, but didn't have that menace, that sinister menace mm-hmm. that that Rutger Hauer did. So, um, as as great as he is in villain roles, he would flip back and forth because next another film that or the next film we're going to talk about real briefly. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I remember this in 1986, Wanted Dead or Alive, where he plays a bounty hunter. Oh he's, yeah, he's I get, saw it once and yeah. remember very little about it. Uh, uh, this is the most memorable part of that movie was because Gene Simmons, yes, Gene yes. Simmons, Kiss is the <laughs> villain. He's the the terrorist bomber right. that Rutger Hauer is hired by the CIA to to. to to get to, to catch want a dead or alive and Rutger Hauer, you know, playing a bounty hunter. So he's this gravelly, you know, badass black leather wearing shotgun toting bounty hunter. And there's Gene Simmons. And if I recall uh, the ending of it, he's, he finally catches him and he shoves a grenade in his mouth and, and he's tied. He's like, he's got his hands tied behind his back or he's handcuffed. He literally shoves a, a live grenade and pulls the pin out of his mouth and walks away. And Gene Simmons head just explodes. <laughs> At the end of this film, ah, the eighties, uh, yeah, right. But uh, you know, he was he was a tough guy. You know, uh, I, I'm not sure if he was trying to go down that route because he would go back and forth in those roles. Um, but you know, he did a couple of other movies where he plays that dangerous but good guy. You know, yes. right. well, again, an antihero. I yeah. think he's yeah. he really he, he. This guy claimed the role of antihero. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think we're, we're, that that's kind of the conclusion that we're coming to here. Because yes, versatile, sure, but yeah, we, you saw him and you expected a certain thing. Um, you know, right, right. Yeah, he he uh, he was absolutely. Uh, I won't say he was typecast. Yeah, but but when you needed the when you needed the guy that was gonna. Uh, ooze menace mm-hmm. uh and and you wanted somebody that didn't look like uh the usual suspects he was right. he was definitely the way to go right I, I have a i have a question for both of you uh yeah. this is I, there was a movie that i wanted to see of his that i never got to see mm-hmm. uh it was called the blood of heroes did anybody ever watch I did. that i did i saw it yeah i've not seen blood of heroes and i liked it <laughs> yeah. Tell- i liked it Tell tell Joseph a little bit about the Blood yeah. of Heroes. What is that about? Uh, isn't that the one like in the future they're playing some weird kind of sport? Yeah, they've got they're playing a, with a, a dog kind of a, skull. It's like a it's like rugby. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Oh. with with a, with a football made from a dog skull. Yeah, the, this is the summary. In in a future where most of mankind and technology is wiped out, six people travel from place to place playing a brutal form of football with a dog skull. <laughs> yeah. They hope one day to play in a league in a city. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's, presumably, it is, presumably with the whole head, not just the skull. <laughs> yeah. It's, That's it's how you know you're in the big leagues instead of the bush bizarre. leagues. In fact, I. I remember uh, right around this time, right, 89, uh, a lot of, of course, I was doing role-playing, a lot of post-apocalyptic games were starting to become popular, right, with the whole Road Warrior movies and such. Um, and I remember, I remember uh, going to somebody's house because they were, we, we were going to play in a post-apocalyptic game, and one of the required viewing, in addition to to uh, the Road Warrior, was Blood of Heroes. We oh, had yeah. to sit down and watch Blood of Heroes uh, because this is the kind of world that that the 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 game master wanted to oh, to Lord. create. Yeah, no, it is. It's wonderful. It is. It's a wonderful mess. 
Um, <laughs> and but those, but, those know, can be fun, on, man. Yeah. David Webb Peoples, lest we forget, this is the man who wrote freaking Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so this is not. It is it is a well done film. It is really a well done film. But it's so quirky. Yeah. It is so yeah. amazingly quirky, but compelling. Once you sit down and you're watching it, yeah. you're like, my God, where is this going? <laughs> All right. Yeah, it sells me. I, you know, good uh, recommendation. I, I want his one of the last movies that he did in the eighties, eighty nine. I want to say yes. Is that right? Yes, eighty nine was Blind Fury. Yes, where again he's zip, zip, zipping around the, the the character universe because he's basically playing the Zadarichi character from the Blind Swordsman. Yes, from the Japanese that series. That's correct. So, but in this version, he's an American, of course. And he comes back to uh, he comes back to the states. He's got the, the, the katana blade. He's blind, and he's trying to help an old Vietnam vet buddy of his find his kidnapped daughter or something like that. Yeah. Um, and and he's very good at it. Yeah. I mean, he he now, plays. And, and that- by the way, so Blind Fury, Blind Fury is the one film and the one of the films that we've talked about where he is the least villainous. He is the least full of menace. Yeah, yeah he's uh, kind of like a gentle Zen warrior. Yes, uh, right. yes. Yeah. And by the way, he plays it convincingly. And this is why, going back to just the amazing skill of Rutger Hauer, mm-hmm. he can take that character. He knew he knew immediately the kind of character he would be playing. And and he embodied the role where, where he is sort of this, you know, gentle, wise, uh, uh, a little bit funny, you know. He, he he's always making jokes, self-deprecating. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and so different from the other roles that he's played. Um, that I actually really love him in Blind Fury. Um, um, it, it's a, it's just a fun film. Uh, and yes, exactly as Joseph said, he's basically playing Zatoichi. Um, yeah. from from the Japanese movies, um, and the, the last battle that he has, uh, the 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 sword fight, where where his friend keeps trying to warn him, and he's like, "Shut up! Stop talking!" Because <laughs> he can't see, so he can only hear where the bad guy is, right. and his friend keeps jabbering at him. Um, and it's it's just it's really funny. It's really I, really. It's. I will say that uh, uh, I uh, of course uh, I, this was part of my uh, '80s DNA as well. Uh, however, I'm going to go ahead and, and and mildly disagree that that the only reason to watch the movie is for Rutger Hauer because I think the rest of the movie is very cliched by the numbers, uh, claptrap, uh, the kind of stuff. I, honestly, this feels I, this feels like something that they could have put Chuck Norris in, and it would have been the same movie, not as good. Like Rutger Hauer, Hauer absolutely elevates the piece yeah. in that he makes the casserole uh, edible as opposed to you know not yeah. edible. Yeah. So, and you know, it's uh, interesting. What what do you think drew him? To this role, because like you said, it does seem like something Chuck Norris or or a Jean Claude Van Damme would do. Well, just like the one of Dead or Alive. I mean, it's the same kind of action movie that yeah. was prevalent in the eighties. But Rutger Hauer always elevated those movies. You know, uh, I don't know. There was something uh, really appealing about him, um, so that I bought Hook, Line, and Sinker. Whatever he was doing, I think he was convincing enough in all his roles and gave 110. percent I don't think I've ever seen the man phone in a performance. Um, I, I, I with, will. I will disagree with you. Uh, I was I, just about to we're say get, we're getting there. Yeah, because because there is one coming up that because throughout the 80s, you know, we were going back and forth of villains and the, and the bounty hunters and the swordsmen and the the, the the replicants and and the terrorists and all the other characters he's played. And in the 90s, 
we get we get a Rucker Hauer that's a little older now. Um, so he's playing more uh, established, like big boss bad guy roles. So I'll point to uh, 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, where he plays Lothos, the the, the big vampire, the, the grand vampire. And I would say yes, probably a sleepwalky kind of a role because all he has to do is stand there and look like Rutger Hauer and make a couple of quips and, and then and then leave you know menacingly. Uh, but I, if I'm not mistaken, it's the first vampire he played. And yeah, and, was, and it's it's lovingly cast because uh, you know they didn't use him for Lestat, so they right? so so. <laughs> Whedon put him in as Lothos, and even as at a, at one point, uh, when um, uh, Arquette is trying to convince uh, Luke Perry to to become a vampire with him, mm-hmm. he says, "Come on, man, it'll be fun. We can we can start a band, you know." And it's right. very yeah. emphatically that uh, that that uh, Lestat reference. Yeah. Uh, but really, the the only uh, honestly, I think it's stunt casting, uh, and and it's sure. not fair. It's not fair to Rutger any more than it's not fair to Paul Rubens because you're meant to you're meant to see them together and go, <laughs> it's Roy Batty and Pee Wee Herman, right? You know, right. and that's right. that's kind of a. I feel like that was sort of a cheap shot, but I, you know, hey man, Rutgers got a house payment to make too. You know, it's, it, uh, I mean, I alimony think, ain't, ain't ain't easy. You know, I actually think it's a fun movie. I, I mean, speaking of Paul Rubens, oh, I love the, the movie. I yeah, love one it. of the best death scenes ever. Oh God, Paul Rubens. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're right. I think I think you know at that point certainly the 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 fans knew that that Anne Rice uh, visualized Rutger Hauer as Lestat. Um, I mean, uh, the, 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 there was all this talk about who was going to be cast and in the movie and blah blah blah. And, and so you're right. I think I think you know this was like okay, great. Well, I'll cast uh, <laughs> uh, Rutger Hauer as a vampire. Right. Um, and it, it has the it has the Whedon humor and the Whedon dialogue that is so memorable. Yes. Um, you know, we're vampires. We could do anything. Oh yeah, clap. You know, after she after she <laughs> takes his arm off, yeah, you know, um, things like that. But I mean, I think that the character of Lothos, uh, you know, I don't know. He he walks around with his his coat like a cape, and he's got the hair and the cravat. Oh yeah, no, it's very, goofy. It's uh, very yeah, goofy. It's a little, uh, it's a little affected, I suppose. But it's Rucker Hauer, and, and he he looks like he's having fun with it. That's that's something to be said for it, right? Yeah, it's like he's yeah, enjoying he a little bit of that scene chewy. It's it's absolutely a, a a minor part for him. Yeah. But uh, but the, but the first Buffy movie is absolutely uh, greater than the sum of its parts. So yeah, we we accept it. We let we let it slide. Yeah. Well, you know, he also. Well, I mean, we, if you look at his performance, like the way he slurs his lines, you would swear that he did not walk on the set without first drinking a pint of bourbon. <laughs> um, because I mean, yeah, he seems drunk. He seems drunk through the entire movie. Huh. Um, I I was very uh, I, I I felt like this was a step down from him like I, like it was you know you're torn you know when you're like oh it's Rutger Hauer oh no Rutger what are you doing <laughs> you know, yeah, that's right. no by this role on, oh my man. god the mighty had fallen yeah. he had gone from playing really iconic roles mm-hmm. to this. Uh, but maybe you know what? Maybe Whedon told him he's like, no, look, this is it's it's a, it's it's a parody. It's it's funny. It's supposed to be a comedy, right. and, and there's a lot of humor in it. And so right, and so to... and so he was playing it for yucks, you yeah. know. Um, yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, I mean, his his '90s work, you know, a lot of TV stuff, you know, that yeah. didn't show up, uh, and, and doing doing those characters. He started becoming those. The, the oh it's him it's Rutger Hauer oh, awesome oh it's Rutger Hauer you know yeah. was it, he he's not carrying a movie at this point 
um, you know, it, it's not he's not doing the wanted, dead or alive, or the you know uh, the blind fury thing. I mean, literally, he if he if he is in a in a, in a movie, I can't remember it that he's carrying at this point into the nineties. I think this, mm-hmm. his career has become more. You know, he's he's doing character work. He's yeah, doing a lot of, of yeah. And it's not, and it's not bad either because actually, um, uh, you know, he keeps acting and he keeps doing a bunch of, uh, smaller parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a couple of recurring roles on a couple of shows, but they don't ever really, uh, go anywhere. And, but then like in the two thousands, things start picking up and, uh, he starts getting seen on stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the first place I remember seeing him coming out of that period was, uh, on Smallville where he plays, uh, Morgan edge, uh, who is the executive from the, that buys the daily planet in the 1970s in the Superman world. Mm -hmm. So, so it's a, it's a kind of a villainous part, you know, Oh gosh, I'd Uh, actually forgotten that he was, he's, he, yeah, he's more, yeah, he's in the suit. He's doing his thing. And, uh, and I thought, Oh, cool. And I, I had hoped that, they would have put him in more things, but uh, I, I guess it just didn't quite work out because uh, right after that, I want you now, guys to talk I, about it. I remember, I remember, hold on. I remember the, the, the TV show, the 10th kingdom, but I don't remember. He played in many episodes, a character called the huntsman. Yes. Uh, did, did, did anyone else? I did not watch I, this. I didn't see it. No. Okay. No, I did not. Right. Um, it but, was, it was nutty. Well, the same year or the next year after he did the Smallville, and this is where I kind of ran into him again. It's, I didn't, I wasn't a Smallville watcher. I mean, I, he, I, I used to watch the show Alias, and I think he had a, a shot there once. Yeah. But really, it was the TNT TV miniseries remake of Salem's Lot, where he was cast as a vampire again as Barlow, as Kurt Barlow. Yeah. Uh, much more uh, faithful to Stephen King's original story, where Barlow, unlike Toby Hooper's very memorable uh, vampire, Nosferatu-style vampire, this Kurt Barlow was eloquent. He spoke. He had yeah. a, a charm to him. Yeah. You know, he was he was Rutger Hauer doing Rutger Hauer, and he was very good in it. Yeah. Um, you know, but that was that was the, the where I where I saw him again and was like, oh, it's Rutger Hauer, and he's playing. Oh wait, did he just didn't he just play a vampire? And my brain went to Buffy, obviously, but no, it's been it's been years, years. Yeah. Since he did that, no, I, so I actually, I actually quite liked him in uh, in Salem's Lot as Kurt Barlow. Uh, Salem's Lot's my favorite Stephen King novel, and uh, although again, uh, like Joseph mentioned, I love Toby Hooper's sort of Nosferatu, you know, hissing guy. Um, the scene where where he's killing the young boy's parents, mm-hmm. and Rutger Hauer's crawling across the the roof mm-hmm. of the ceiling, and then drops down. Um, again, that's vintage Rutger Hauer. It is oozing with menace and and otherness um and Rutger Hauer plays it so well as they, they put those contacts in him his eyes are glowing he's looking at the priest saying you know drop the cross shaman drop it and and it I, I'm just like ooh that's really creepy mm-hmm. that's really really creepy yeah um incredibly effective so so I I like him as Kurt Barlow that he that certainly is my preferred version of Kurt Barlow. Yeah, he does it very well. And it, it, both versions have their their their, you know, uh, uh, appeals, but like like Aaron was saying that scene, you know, you contrast that with Toby Hooper's version. They gave all the dialogue to, you know, James Mason, which right. why not? It's James Mason. Yes. But you know, hit that Barlow didn't talk. He was a monster. He was a a, a, a hissing monster. Watching uh Rutger Howard do it, um I don't know. There's 
maybe maybe because and here I go again with the long and the tooth gag. Maybe because I he was a little older than I thought Kurt Barlow should be in, right. in you know. Um, Although he's described, Kurt Barlow in the novel is huh? described as an older gentleman. Yeah. He is an older looking, distinguished looking older right, European right. gentleman. I just I, I maybe because he got a little Ruckerhauer appeared to me to be a little soft. If that word makes any sense, he 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 got a little. Yeah, we all get older. We all get a little softer and rounder in the middle right. and things like that. So there was a level of that. I think that I was like, huh, okay. But I loved him in the role. I thought he was very good in it. Oh, he was it great. Just, I, you know, it it was kind of stunt casting. You know, because you yeah. know we need a, we need a good vampire uh, who 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 fits that role and who fits that description. I know. Let's get you know Rutger Hauer. He'll he'll do it. And uh, you don't and you don't have to have a lot of special effects on Rutger Hauer because he right. can, he brings that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, exactly. No, in fact, I think the age uh, aided him there. If you look at his face in that scene, it's craggy. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it filled with with wrinkles. And all he has, that, as far as I can tell, all he has are a pair of contacts that they make glow and teeth. And that's it. Yeah. That's it. Um, and, and again, it's so effective. It's so creepy. Um, when he starts, when he starts delivering the lines and yeah. talking to the family and 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 taunting the priest. Um, that that it works for me in a way that the original Salem's Lot did not. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, I mean, it's basically just teeth. Yeah. and oh, and nice. contacts. That's it. That's yeah. it. And the rest is just Rutger Hauer's beautiful face. That's mm-hmm. all it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I I'm I'm yeah. actually I'm actually a fan of, yeah. of of the remake of Salem's Lot. I, I yeah. wish I, I didn't see it because I really I, I'm on the fence as an outlier here of hating the TV movie. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm I'm waiting for when they uh, get around to redoing Salem's Lot as a movie like they've done with. Uh, which, which they're doing. You know that, right? They're doing. They're, they're actually uh, they're in the process. Yes, yeah. they're in the oh, process good. of remaking Salem's Lot. That's the next good. Stephen King book that's going to be adapted for the uh, for the screen. Huh. Good. Right. I, th- I think I think it needs it. So yeah, uh, yeah. but I, I didn't I didn't see him in that because uh, I was. Two thousand four. They, I, I was doing the horror host thing as Griffin, and, and TNT was working with us and to promote it. So they sent us a lot of behind the scenes stuff, and we had a, a whole show dedicated to the the new Salem's Lot. One of the things that I noted and I thought was interesting was the 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 level of CGI that they used and like the teeth and stuff like that. Right. Instead yeah. of instead of doing actual fangs or makeup fangs they had the teeth that came out digitally yeah you know yeah. and they the the crawling uh, uh ned crawling through the the airspace was and jamming his body in there it was yeah. all like digital and bubbled and yeah you know i don't know it, it was okay I, I thought it was fine but i just it it didn't have that that i don't know i, I like toby hooper sales a lot i do yeah okay. I, no no i yeah. and again i, I I remember more than anything. Toby Hooper Sutherland's Lot had a big impact on me as a kid when I saw it. Oh, yeah. It scared the scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but as somebody who then since then has read Sutherland's Lot many times, uh-huh. loves that book. I think Rutger Hauer's yeah. turn as uh, Kurt Barlow is spot on. It's fantastic. And I'm reminded in the in 2012, uh, not 12, uh, 2000. And when did the first one come out? Uh, 2005. That he, he was in Batman Begins. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not a very big role. Was he? Yeah. He was like what in, in Wayne Enterprises or something like yes, that. Yes, he was. He yeah. was. Yes, he was the one that was uh, basically trying to take over. Okay. Uh, um, Wayne Enterprises. Okay. 
okay. after um, after the parents died. Huh. It's, he was, it's, he was, it's he a was small re- role, but he's fine in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was keeping it running while while Bruce was off doing okay. whatever the hell Bruce was doing. In 2005, he appeared in Sin City as well. Robert yeah, Robert I don't. I saw Sin City, but I don't remember. He played a character called Cardinal Rourke. Mm-hmm. I actually don't remember that. Uh, maybe I just wasn't paying that much attention during Sin City. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the. It's a. It's. Like everything in Sin City, he's a cardinal, but he's he's horrible, you know. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, and so uh, that was a good part for him. Again, it's a it's a only a couple of scenes, but it's you know it's 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 him doing his thing, you know. Uh, yeah. Right. There's a there's a point at which you just got to kind of point him at the camera and say, you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Right. That's great. Do what you do. A lot of TV movies again throughout his career. Uh, appeared in the remake of the Poseidon Adventure that was on TV. I remember that. Didn't see it. Um, good heavens! A lot of these movies that I, a lot of TV movies in shorts I, that I just I've yeah. never seen. Yeah. So really, Hobo with a Shotgun. In that's that's the la- that's actually the last thing I remember him yeah, being. That was kind of is Hobo with a Shotgun in yeah. in 2011. Yeah, and and we talked about and we'll do this later, folks. But we talked about movies that make you cry. Um, yeah, uh, and Mark, you have you have thoughts about Hobo with a Shotgun, I think, right? Uh, no, no, I don't. Actually, that's one of the ones that I didn't see. I, really? Uh, I no one told me it was Rutger Hauer, and if they had, it would have changed everything, right? Oh, uh, right? What they said was, "Oh, you've got to see Hobo with a Shotgun," and I went, "I don't know that I do." Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, because the thing is, is Hobo with a Shotgun it makes about as much sense as Snakes on a Plane, right? Well, you know, sure. Yeah. Well, it, it was probably just pitched being, the same way. It was probably pitched sure, exactly the same way. <laughs> I'm sure it was. And and right. uh, but if but if I had known it was Rutger Hauer, I would have gone, oh, he's basically uh, cashing in all the chips that he earned doing uh, '80s uh, heroes. You know, doing his uh, bounty hunter and and one good guy with a gun thing. This, I mean, that's what this is, right? It's it's a re- it's a callback to all that. Well, apparently, uh, we're, Aaron and I are looking at this together here, but it looks like Hobo with a Shotgun was uh, a, tw- a 2007 movie. Yeah. Remade John, John Davies apparently Hunter. made it as a writer in a short, as a short, 2007. He also had um, a segment in the VHS uh, series of movies, the VHS 2. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, he made it as a short. Somebody thought... That was really kind of good. We should do this again. Yeah. Hey, with Rutger Hauer. Yeah. And Grindhouse. <laughs> and, I mean, obviously this guy had a had a, had a bent. Yeah. Um, and, and the the poster for Trouble with a Shotgun is it's brilliant. Uh, uh, you know, exploitation. You know, like the douche you see in, in New York City during the Grindhouse days. Yeah. You know, it's got a very exploitive uh, poster. It's a great poster with all sorts of stuff going on in it. Um, but but literally, it's again. I'm going to read the description of a homeless vigilante blows away crooked cops. Pedophile Santas and other scumbags with his trusty pump action shotgun. That's that's <laughs> and that's why I say, Mark, and like snakes with a plane, yeah. you could see easily that you know a couple of of Hollywood guys were sitting there smoking a doobie, saying, you know, wouldn't it be cool? <laughs> oh, don't get, oh, don't get me we, wrong. I'm gonna watch it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realize, you know, no. I didn't realize that he was uh, part of that whole thing. Oh, uh, Grindhouse Glory! It is Grindhouse yeah. Glory, is what yeah. it is. One hour and twenty six minutes, and, and that's interesting. And in this role, I mean, looking at a picture of him in that role, you know, he's, yeah, you, know, you could start to see. You see that age. You see the cragginess. Yeah. He looks a little rough. Yeah. You know, he's not the beautiful Roy Batty at this point in his career. Obviously, 
We, you know, we're all getting older. I, I, I still think he looks beautiful, even even craggy and, and such. But yeah, but the, he definitely is, is aging. You can tell yeah. that he's aging. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, let's, you know, he's, his touching the vampire thing continues in, in a lot of ways because he appears in Dracula 3D as Van Helsing. Uh, which is a nice. Which was nice. That yeah, was a nice. A nice that was a nice reversal. There. Yeah. Uh, but then, I don't want to say that the next, you know, True Blood. He was in True Blood again yeah, as yeah. one of the like a vampire king or a vampire lord. And yeah, I, I never got into True Blood. Uh, I tried and and I didn't. Uh, it didn't grab me. Did you guys watch True Blood? I, I watched the first season or two. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I. I don't think I was watching it by the time. Uh, he came around. Mm-hmm. His character came around. Yeah, I, I, right. was, uh, I was on the hook. I was on the hook. Oh, for really? sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you remember his? What was his character like? And was he like some big, important ancient vampire kind of thing? Um, this was. Uh, oh, geez. The thing is, is it all sort of runs together. Uh, is the okay. problem? Niall, I, Niall Brigant. Niall Brigant. However you say his name. Yeah, he he is not. Uh, uh, I. He wasn't uh, one of the vampires in the, oh. in the show. He played, okay. yeah. He played one of the, uh, uh, he played one of the guys that uh, was uh, hunting them. Uh, oh, he was a vampire hunter. So again, he was sort of a Van Helsing character, right? Oh. Yeah. So they didn't, uh, and he, he's only in, he's only in like part of the series. Uh, and this is late. This is late era True Blood as well. When when yeah. they were really off the rails and in the weeds. Yeah, uh, I think that's sort of a I, thing that HBO does. Uh, you know, really? Uh, but no, I remember I remember like hearing people talking about True Blood, and, and when the, when they start saying, "Oh yeah, now she's a fairy," I'm like, well, "What? I, okay, yeah. I'm out." I, I mean, I'm glad I never went into. Yeah, no, no, this, we, we we had stopped watching by the yeah. time the whole fairy uh, revelation came along because yeah. uh, it had. I think I, they just started to throw you know the freaking kitchen sink in there. They just everything. I, why not? Let's just do this. Uh, I'm like, okay, well. Uh, we're we're done. Do, and do you guys remember uh, the Gallivant? Yeah, I actually liked Gallivant. I did too. I did the musical <laughs> that the yes. little yes. And he was in that as Kingsley, uh, and, and so that was fun to see him do some 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 entertaining turns there. Uh, yeah, Gallivant was fun. I liked that. Yeah, yeah. Gallivant did he was... sing? I think you know, he may I have talked, remember. sang a bit. Yeah. You know, I can't imagine with that gravelly voice right, of his, right. he didn't uh, that he would belt out a tune. No, it was more of a, a, a you know, inserting sort of a Rex Harrison yeah, to toxin, to toxin, exactly. Okay. You know, all right, all right. I, I've grown accustomed to her face. Um, so yeah, a lot of shorts, a lot of TV series continue on. I mean, he, the guy was working all the time. Um, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, in 2017, yeah. I, I, I recognize that. I saw, yeah, yeah, I saw, and again, a very, very small role. Yeah. Uh, president yeah. of the World State Federation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, TV series Channel Zero. That's a like a Twilight Zone esque. I think. Is that what that is? I think so. In 2018, he's playing the same yes. character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alice yeah. in Slaughterland. Oh, is he? Was he like the? Would he introduce the episode? No, 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 no. no. Oh. You, you know what? The Channel Zero was. It's a series, but it, it, it was. It was not. It was episodic, but it wasn't. It wasn't a, 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 an anthology. They okay. didn't have different stories. Okay. It was one story, but okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it looks like uh, we're, we're we're reaching the end of it, folks. I mean, yeah. oh, that's interesting. He uh, in twenty. One of his last things, apparently, he was working on was uh, as the ghost of Christmas Future in a Christmas Carol, which is a TV miniseries that's set to come out sometime. 
it's it, episode 1.3. He plays the ghost of Christmas future. Huh. Uh, but obviously, you know, he, he passed away. He passed away in on July 19th. We in the States weren't really aware of it until the 25th, um, which, you know, probably his family's decision. Uh, you know, he passed in the Netherlands after what they call, and I've read two things that said a brief illness and one that says a long illness. So I don't huh. know at all uh, yeah. what's it, the cause of, of his death. Um, Do you know, Mark, what what was had he been known to be sick? Did he have cancer? Did uh, he... I have no idea. I uh, yeah. I saw what you guys saw, and of course, uh, the there there probably a reason why they wanted to wait a few days was out of private for privacy's sake, you know. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, going back in time and and seeing him progress and and talking about some of these roles that he did, uh, I. I think he was a, a a very important staple in the world of character actors. I mean, there's going to be an empty spot now in the world because Rutger Hauer is not around anymore. But he was chameleon-like in that he grew and changed and took on the roles that he had to as he got older. But he still always had that Rutger Hauer charm. He always had that Rutger Hauer uh, uh, je ne sais quoi, if you will. Yeah. You know, that I don't know. I smile when I see Rutger Hauer, you know. Oh, yeah, look at Rutger Hauer, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we can't we can't diminish his contributions to to film, to fantasy, to sci fi, to horror, you know, uh, the genre of films that he did. And can I can I just briefly mention one thing that we overlooked, and because it, it wasn't really germane to everything else we were talking about at the All time. Right. Yeah, um, I stumbled across this a few years ago when I was doing research for something else. Uh, it was a uh, a, a musical called The Bloodhounds of Broadway. Oh, wow. uh, it was done That's in 1989, and it's based on the works of Damon Runyon. And I'm a huge Damon Runyon fan. And so I ran this thing down, and 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 I think it's actually it's on uh, Amazon Prime for free if you want to watch it. Okay. Uh, it's it's an all star cast, tons of people in it, uh, including uh, Rutger Hauer, who plays uh, the Brain, which is uh, one of the main uh, one of one of Runyon's main characters, and it's a very different turn for Rutger Howard, uh, considering. All the stuff that he was doing, this comes out in 1989, sort of uh-huh. at the end of his uh, I've got a shotgun and I'm going to shoot you in the face period. Right. Uh, and it's just so cool. Now, again, it's period. It's set in the 1920s. It's gangsters on Broadway. Oh. Uh there's a ton of people in it that are uh, that are now crazier or weird, uh, but uh, it, it, when when I when I was watching it years ago, it popped up and I went, oh, Rutger Hauer's in this, and and, right. and and then I went, and he's playing the brain. <laughs> so it's just wow. very it's 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 a it's a really cool testament to uh, his versatility you know, in the midst of all of the, all the darkness and the gloom and the menace. Uh, he, he yeah. did have a, he did have a light side. So anyways, just yeah. one. A lot of, a lot of voice work too. I'm noticing a, a lot of uh, video games and, and animated uh, movies. Uh, he had his voice, you know, in it as well, recognizable, but I don't know. I think he was more known for his face and his eyes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure you know, he does have a. a he, d- he had a memorable voice. He does. Uh, yeah, yeah, but no, but no, no. I mean, Rutger. Howard, when you see Rutger Howard, yeah. uh, you're like, ah, there we go. Yeah, yeah um, no doubt. No doubt. Well, we we salute the man. Book. We we honor him. I think it's it's a great. We'll always have his movies to enjoy. We'll always have Blade Runner and Lady Hawk and and uh, you know The Hitcher. Good God, that movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll always have that. And and again, I'm going to jump back to one of my 
favorite Rutger Hauer roles, and that was the Nighthawks. I loved him as Wolfgar. If, if you guys haven't seen that, I urge you to check it out. You'll, you'll, you'll have to put up with uh, 1970s Sylvester Stallone, um, and I apologize in advance for that, but <laughs> it's, it, it, the movie itself is quite good, and Rutger Hauer makes a fine scene-chewing villain in, in really his first major role in the States that we all saw him in. So Yes. Uh, I do I do highly recommend it. Um Guys, I think we're gonna we're gonna close this off here a little bit and uh, and uh, just say thanks, Rutger. Thanks for yeah. all the yeah. Thanks for the years and, and the talent and the memories. Uh, it's it's the world's a little sadder, but we're moving on, folks. Yeah, we'll always have the movies. The Gentleman Nerds is a cloak and dagger production. It's written by Aaron Diaribe, Mark Finn, Ben Gibbs, and Joseph Fortinos. Music composed and performed by the amazingly talented Ben Gibbs. Promotional material, logos, and the Gentleman Nerds mascot. Created by artistic goddess Michelle Fitzpatrick. The robot lounge bouncer is Maximilian. Our sound editor, mixer, and intentional producer, Lucky the Rat. Our executive producer, and the man we all pray never gets superpowers, is Aaron Diorive. Our actual intentional producer is Ben Gibbs. The gentleman known's attorney is Dr. Gonzo and Mark Finn. Well, he's Mark Finn. Web hosting by Bluehost. We also have technical assistance provided by, uh, who helps us with technical assistance? I do, because we're sitting in my room. There we go. Join us in the Lobot Lounge when next we open, and please always skip your bartenders and your waitstaff. Final words, Rutger Hauer memories, guys. Mark Finn? The meme going around uh, references that quote from Blade Runner and says, all of those moments will be lost in time like tears in the rain. And the good news is, is that's not true. We'll always have the movies, and they'll always be with us. Thank you, Rutger. Yes, yes. Aaron, final words? Uh, Love, Rutger. Uh, I would urge people to watch The Blood of Heroes Mm -hmm. uh, as a a wonderful Rutger Howard gem that not a lot of people have seen or uh, know about. Uh, Also, his run as Kurt Barlow on the uh, remake of... um, of uh, Salem's Lot. Right, right. And and I'm Joseph Patino, reminding you all once again that Red Skull lives. Good night, everyone. Uh, got a room at the Omni. So I will be staying at uh, the Omni. Sounds good. So where are you going to be staying? Uh, at the Omni. Oh, at or, the Omni. Okay, yeah, I thought you were going to be at the Omni. Okay, all right. If you're because if you're not going to be at the Omni, then then I guess you should probably just go get a room at the Omni. Oh well, God! Why don't we just all do this at the Omni? Oh, oh we're going to do the Omni. <laughs> oh God! Is this a thing now? It's not a thing. I'm just in a. I'm I'm in a. I'm actually really. I'm getting very excited about seeing everybody. It's been uh, too long. Are you? And, are uh, you? Are you at the Omni? I am going to be at the Omni. Oh! <laughs> All right. So we are go for ArmadilloCon. Okay. We are.